The CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to yet another episode of the CGA Tour podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander. And on this episode of the podcast, I'm back here again with Jake Carlson as the Big 3 and OKC show takes a one week at least hiatus before this next week. But Jake, I think uh, I think JC and the Greek has got to be a thing here. We got to get Alexi on before too long, <laughs> get the official name going and stuff, right? Yeah, I think that's always a good one. You know, yeah. it's an old play on Jimmy and the Greek. If you guys don't get the reference, but if my dad is listening, since he tends to, he would probably find that one pretty funny. Um, so hey, dad, but and hey to everybody else. But you know, oh yeah, Hi- hello everyone else. Um, <laughs> with with a name like Alexi Bulwark, you know. Got got to get the Greek in there, you know. Just doesn't uh, rhyme as much as I thought it would. But anyways, um, well, Jake, how was your past weekend? It was good. Um, we've got Mother's Day weekend coming up, so um, we are actually. I don't think my mom listens. Maybe I won't reveal her Mother's Day present in case she does listen. Just um, in case. Just but, in case. Yeah, just just in case. So. Um, yeah, but uh, it, it was good. My past weekend was good. And uh, let's just say there is going to be a lot of uh, sports that we are watching this this uh, weekend. And uh, take that as you will, because we're not going to Hawks games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think you're going to a Hawks game anytime soon, right? Um, yeah, no, no. I got to say, me either. I'm not going to fly out to Atlanta, go to see Atlanta Hawks game. I'm not just dying to. I, I, I have been like actively looking like, all right, Mavericks ticket, Mavericks tickets, but because they're the closest team that actually has fans where you can but just go on and buy a seat. Um, and and I don't think it's going to work out with my schedule whatsoever to drive all the way down to Dallas, round trip it almost um, from what's my work schedule. That's what I have to do for tomorrow night at least. And I don't think it's going to happen. So, yeah, no. oh, well. Oh, well. Um, with all that being said here, I know we got a couple different topics to talk about today, but first off, we want to get to the MLB and I know you are a pseudo, I say that like halfway and halfway out of a Cincinnati Reds fan, uh, yeah, your dad's yep. and you know, kind of, you know, family Reds fans. My dad, of course, there's a famous photo of me when I'm very, very young with my dad wearing a Reds cap, which I will try to upload to Twitter if I can, uh, can find it at least, but Let's let's talk about Amir Garrett here and Javier Baez for a little bit. Catch us up here. Tell us what you're thinking. So, uh, we should we should probably preface this for those of you that don't know, which I'm assuming most of you do. Um, if you're listening, Amir Garrett has a pretty long history with the Cubs and pretty much every single other team in the NL Central, um, and trying to uh, get under their skin. How about, how about that? Get under their skin. Um, not fight, but get under their skin. And Amir Garrett is a physically imposing person. He is about 6'6", I believe, off the top of my head. I'm going to double check. And, yep, he's 6'6". So he has a couple inches on probably most people in the MLB. Um, he also played basketball at St. John's. So he's a big dude, in other words, and he likes to he likes to talk trash, which we can probably attribute to basketball and 
also probably just attribute it to he likes to talk trash. Um, I don't care that he likes to talk trash. And it's not only because I'm a Reds fan. I love that uh, Trevor Bauer talks trash and he plays for the Dodgers. I know he used to play for the Reds, but leave me alone. Um, Really, anybody that likes to talk trash, I think, is great for the game of baseball. Um, You know, Acuna does in his own way. Tatis does in his own way. Um, you know, all of those kind of guys definitely like to, uh, let people be known of their presence, which doesn't bother me. So he's gotten into qualms with Anthony Rizzo before, um, there's a famous photo of him trying to fight the entire pirates team. Um, the Cardinals stuff goes back as long as history wants us to remember. Um, I'm missing one team. Cubs, Pirates, Reds, Cardinals. Am I missing one? Oh, no, there's five, division? right? Yeah, yeah, there's five. Who am I missing? Cubs, Brewers. Pir- um, yeah, Brewers. Yep, that's right. Brewers. I don't. I don't know if he's tried to fight the Brewers yet. Anyways, um, not yet. But next up, next next yet. next podcast be, episode recapping Amir Garrett fights yeah, the Brewers. Yeah, from could be coming. So. He has his history with teams. He has his history with people getting upset about how he carries himself. Um, I will say he is not the greatest reliever in the world. Um, I saw a lot of Cubs fans in the mention saying that he needs to get his ERA below double digits before he can talk, blah, blah, blah. Um, Again, don't really care. If if you're going to spend that much time getting bent out of shape about it, then that's your problem. Right. I I don't think Amir Garrett cares. I don't think anybody else cares. But it seems that Cubs fans have taken a personal exception to Amir Garrett just not liking them. Um, Which, to be fair, not a lot of us like the Cubs because they've been anointed some sort of sweetheart because, God forbid, they won a World Series and now they suck again. Well, well, Um, but but let's let's I think I think we got to back up a little bit on the Cubs. Just Cubs have a. Huge, I mean, the longest, I think, in the history of sports, at least, um, mm-hmm. or at least was going, 100-plus year drought of a title. And then all of a sudden, they they go, you know, they go on, they win the World Series to become the media darling for a year because it's like, oh, they're set up for success here going forward. Turns out they're not really set up for that much success, but fast forward to today. Right. And to be fair, I like a lot of the players on the Cubs. I like Rizzo. Because how can you not? Um, I like Jason Hayward. I like Chris Bryant. Well, Rizzo did um, slide Wilson, into San Diego's knees or ankles, yeah. but go ahead. Wilson Contreras is a very good catcher, and he's on my fantasy team, so I'll mention him. Um, you know, so there's a lot of players that I do like on the Cubs. One of the players that I don't like on the Cubs is Javier Baez. Transition. So basically, what happened is. Amir Garrett got a clutch strikeout on Anthony Rizzo. And I'm sure John Boy is going to have a uh, a video about this, if not already. And I'm sure it's going to be hilarious. But he strikes out Rizzo and he kind of pounds his chest and is looking at Rizzo. Obviously, they have a history. And I would expect Rizzo, if he hit a home run... Home- can be flashy right um but we know that rizzo doesn't exactly shy away from words as we've seen in the past so 
He stares down Anthony Rizzo after a clutch strikeout and and then like <laughs> as Rizzo's walking away, Javier Baez straight up jumps the barricade <laughs> on the dugout and runs out to him to and gives him the finger, you know, the whole nine and yelling at him. Um, I have no doubt in my mind that Amir Garrett has a longer reach than Javier Baez. I can't imagine it would go very well for Baez. But this doesn't get to my point of aggravation. So, Amir Garrett was suspended. They came down with the final verdict. Amir Garrett was suspended for seven games. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that ben- that might benefit the Reds, that uh, <laughs> he that he can't pitch based off of how he's done this year, um, and Javier Baez was suspended. None. He was only fined. Now, the the technical rule that it was cited under, based off what I've seen on Twitter. So, if you want to go read the MLB book, be my guest. I'm not going to. So, what I've seen off Twitter is there is a rule that is basically inciting to initiate kind of like a benches clearing incident. Yeah. Um, yeah. In my opinion, whether you want to call it my reds tinted glasses or not, Amir Garrett didn't do anything to incite benches clearing. Because if you watch the, if you watch the video, Amir Garrett's pounding his chest, staring at Rizzo and Rizzo's literally just walking off the field. Because I'm assuming at that point, Rizzo knows how Amir Garrett is and doesn't care. He's like, whatever, he struck me out, so be it. Like, I I don't care. And Javier Baez jumps over and... Oh no, did we lose Jake? So, why in that situation would Amir Garrett get a suspension and Javier Baez not. And if someone wants to say, well, it's because he has a history, that's a lame excuse. This isn't steroids. <laughs> no, that's an incredibly good point. I. So, so the, the weird thing to me about this whole, the whole deal is, is that Amir Garrett is coming up to pitch to Anthony Rizzo. And when he, when he does, he like gets weirdly close to him and I'm trying through um, a broadcast service called StreamYard to kind of show everyone but my laptop being six years old it's not really loving it so um, anyways Amir Garrett gets like I mean not not in like the front of the mound Amir Garrett is like halfway in between the mound and the home plate and is like looking at Rizzo and I think he's just walking up just to like say hi to the catcher or something doesn't look like he's making a lot of eye contact with him um, but you're right he's John Boy in. Media yeah he's locked in John Boy Media a couple days ago, put this out. Um, you know, if you want to look at the video and stuff like that. And but, I would I would encourage it because he does great videos. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. John Boy Media, huge supporter of uh, his his channel, everything like that. But with all that being said, it, it's a weird interaction, period. And then Garrett comes back to pitch, hits Rizzo with two strikes hard. Um, I mean, just fast, fast pitches. You know what I mean? Where Rizzo is swinging through it like he's swinging for the moon. And then Rizzo kind of battles a little bit, fouls one off. I think one goes in the dirt. Um, Gary gets the you know third strike, and I think the th- I think the out um, to yeah to end the inning. Uh, from what I from what I remember correctly here, because the video is definitely not playing now. Anyways, 
Garrett's like super pumped up that he struck out Anthony Rizzo. Um, Cubs aren't doing great this season. Reds were trailing the game three to two at this point. Kind of an odd thing to get this excited. And all I'm going to say is, is that I, baseball is a I lot agree. of unwritten rules. And if there's an unwritten rule just in life, it would be if Jake, you and I are playing 21 and I get the 15th point, right? But you're up 17 to 15 at that point, And I get the 15th point off of some great three point shot. I think me going, you know, fist bump a little bit to myself or whatever is understood as us being friends. If it's somebody I don't know, I probably don't do anything. You know what I mean? I'm probably like feeling yeah. like crap, whatever. But the comfortability factor, me kind of going like, all right, cool, good shot. Jake's better than me in basketball almost every single day of the week. We haven't played. In, <laughs> we haven't played in a while, so who knows now, right? Yeah, but, who knows but, now? I, but <laughs> yeah, I've lost a little bit of weight. It's um, everyone else, but. At the same point, like it's be because be the only reason why I'd feel like I could even do anything to celebrate that is because of my comfortability factor with you as a friend. Amir Garrett is so fired up, it's almost like he's showing off. Like if Amir Garrett does this at Wrigley, he's doing this in Cincinnati where he's this fired up. If he does this in Wrigley, it's bizarre. Which I think should be pointed out because right. he's, he's not doing it at Wrigley, right? Right, right. He's doing it in his own home ballpark. Maybe he's trying to get the fans fired up, whatever. And you know what? It's a, it, it's odd, but you know what? Okay. We'll want to move on, right? Like he's talking to smack. He struck out Anthony Rizzo. You know, Rizzo's kind of like, ah, right, you know, whatever. But then at the end of the day, there's there's a dude who comes running out of the the dugout, and that's Javier Baez. And it's it's he didn't weird even that Amir the dugout. He jumped out of the dugout. <laughs> yeah, sorry. He full on sprinted as fast as he could out of the dugout to get close enough where the third base coach still was going to hold him back. And other coaches or whatever from the Cubs because Amir Garrett is a six foot six dude who every single time I've ever seen him do anything on the baseball diamond, I go, I would never want to fight this dude. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's intimidating. Like he's a one is one, he's a tall dude, but also he's not like Bartolo Colon. I mean, this dude's ripped. You can tell that like yeah. you can tell that he would knock almost anyone out besides maybe Aaron Judge. And even then, don't know. So with all that being said, it's very, very odd. Um, then Mary Garrett was just fired up, but at the same point, like get fired up, get excited. Tati's like doing that, you know, like holding a circle over one of his eyes after he hits a home run off Bauer, calling back to spring training whenever Bauer, you know, I supposedly pitched seven or whatever innings against the Padres with one eye shut. You know what I mean? Like that, I think was more of a Bauer could have been like, Oh really? You know what I mean? Versus Javier Baez going like, and Bauer embraced it. Bauer embraced it after the game, during the game. And so what do you know? And what do we do now? What do we do now to Bauer? We respect him more because of it, right? We We're don't like, hate okay, him as you, much. Yeah, fair. fair. If you can take your lumps, and like, because my thing is, at the tale as old as time. If you don't want to get celebrated on, don't give them something to celebrate out about. Oh, oh, hundred ten percent. I, I hey, so totally with you, know, you there. Totally like, with you there. Yeah, no, no question about that whatsoever. I, um, it's just weird. So, but then John Boy goes into the past here, where apparently at some point, you know, the opposite happened, where Garrett struck out Baez, and then Baez was mad, but then Rizzo was the first dude out trying to get close to you know Garrett yep. to try to yep. say what's up. Listen, I'm all for guys like being passionate about the game. I understand that completely. I'm in fact, I'm actually all for this interaction even because it seems like nothing really happened. There wasn't even really a fight because this wasn't at all. Like what happened with the reds and pirates with Amir Garrett. Nobody got it's, hurt. So it's just bizarre to me that the guy who's 
like jumps over the dugout wall. You know what I mean? Like jumps over the little dugout fence and runs out onto the, onto the field. Isn't the dude who gets suspended. He's the dude who only gets fined. And Amir Garrett, the dude who was already on the field and was pitching and playing the game, says a couple, you know, mouths off or whatever. But it's not like the umpires threw him out and he kept going, you know, and then incited something. It's just an odd thing by far and away to see and that one guy got this- suspended and the other guy got fined when both of them were basically just having it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we wouldn't be having this conversation if Amir Garrett got suspended and Javier Baez got suspended. Because if you want to put it in like a vacuum, then they probably both deserve suspensions because they both started something. Right. right? Like they, right. They, they both did. And that's fine to admit. But to say that what, because what the MLB is essentially saying with this is that what Amir Garrett did is so much more egregious than what Javier Baez did, that it's worthy of a seven-game suspension. And it's not. Well, and Amir Garrett's not a starting pitcher where seven games makes sense because then you get him for his next start or maybe his next two. Amir Garrett's like a, you know, setup relief, you know, pitcher or whatever. So he could be playing the next seven games. Theoretically, maybe he, he probably doesn't, but he could be easily playing the next four out of seven, whatever, right? And it's bizarre to me that... You're going to suspend a guy for like basically four. You're basically suspending for seven games, but the availability for seven, but the probability of at least four, if not five, honestly, with a reliever. Who knows? Yeah. And so my big question here is, do you have like, I'm all for like defending your teammates and whatnot. Um, I don't think that this was going to go down any other way than what it did. To be honest with Amir Garrett, if you just look at what Amir Garrett said and or did to Rizzo, I don't think it was going to go down any other way, no matter who was doing it. The benches were probably going to clear, right? I think we can agree on that. But it, the Reds having a history of doing this is, is true. But I'm not going to act like the Cubs haven't done anything either. Ever. Like, I'm not going to act like Javier Baez doesn't have a history of getting super upset about things. And it's like, if you're going to be that much of a baby about this, like, cause that's what he, he was being a baby, you know, it, it, it's past the point of like, well, you, you know, you struck out my friend and said something to him. So what? Like, because Bauer pounds his chest when he strikes out to like early in the year, like, because honestly, that incident is pretty much the exact same as this incident. The only difference is Tatis didn't get butthurt about it, and nobody on the Padres did either. Enough to start something, right? So Bauer strikes out Tatis, and then, you know, he pounds his chest and stares him down, and then Tatis just walks off. And he probably said something to him, and he's like, you know, something I'm not going to say on here, but he probably said something to him and Bauer probably said something to him, but that was it. And I'm like, okay, based off what we've seen this year, is that really like Javier Baez? Seriously, that's where you're drawing the line. Like after you play, like people want to bring up Amir Garrett playing like crap. Javier Baez has played like crap too. So I don't even want to hear it. He swings at everything. He makes errors. Like, you can't you can't draw one line in the sand and then not draw the other. So, 
Oh, that's an extremely Aside good from, point, though. I mean, that, it, that, and that can't be overlooked. You got to... You got you got to figure out where the line's going to be, and I think the I think there's just honestly just there's got to be a better line than really you're not going to suspend Baez for even one game. He's the one who ran out on the field. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, you see the stuff like Freddie Freeman. You know, we were up by ten. Anthony Rizzo struck out Freddie Freeman, and nobody cared. Oh, and I know that they not, thought it was hilarious not, and stuff. Hilarious yeah, yeah. because we're up by ten. And I know that's not really the same situation, but anybody could have been like, yo, Rizzo, really? Why are you laughing at him? Right. Like, in it, <laughs> seriously. And I'm sure if it was a closer game, one, Anthony Rizzo wouldn't have been pitching. And two, it, like, who cares? Like, I, I have no problem. And this is when you hear people say this is what's wrong with baseball. I love baseball. I love watching the Braves. I watch every game that I pretty much every single game, I'll probably watch 150 games this year. And if I saw that happen against the Braves, I'd be like, yeah, that dude's a, you know, he's a, he's a prick or whatever. But I'd also be like, I don't really care. Right, right. Like, I, and, and to see Cubs fans defended, I'm like, y'all are soft. Like, it, to me, when people say this is what's wrong with the MLB, they're absolutely correct. Yeah, and, and I'm totally with you too. It's um, I don't know. I the the other things that the MLB could work on is um, not having nationwide blackouts that span for this many t- areas. But we went over that with Alexi, I think, last year too. Yeah, um, like as an Oklahoman, I cannot watch the Cardinals, Royals, Astros, Rangers. Um, I think it also. I think this. I, I it was another one of the Midwest states, maybe Iowa or Nebraska or Kansas was blacked out by seven teams. Yeah, seven. I, I think it is like if you live in the Kansas City area or something, you can't watch Chicago. That's two Sox Cubs. I mean, I mean, but but but, but by the way, like. I'm sure somebody's listening to this going, okay, 20 minutes about the Javier Baez thing versus Mir Garrett. Like, but but it is one of those things where I really Bigger wish picture. the MLB would try to fix this. Deal. Yes. Like, like, because um, we know probably what happened is that Amir Garrett's going to, um, you know. He's already appealing. Yeah, so appeal it, and then appeal will probably get reduced, and then it's a big thing, whatever. When at the end of the day, suspend both for one game, move on. Like, what's, like, what's, What's the deal? You know what I mean? Yeah, because, I mean, realistically, the next time they face each other, what's going to happen? They're both still going to be it, mad. I mean, it's... They're, they're both, both still going to be mad. It's, yeah. pro- it's probably not going to be very good. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Mir Garrett pitches again against the Cubs. Right. If we get something along the lines of the same exact thing. Without a doubt. And we say, we say all that to say that the system appears to be broken in how they are punishing players. I know this is one of the first times that we've kind of seen it this year. Um, I know Castellanos got suspended for two games for, I think, a COVID thing, mm. if I remember correctly. Um, I did ba- what And Bauer was dealing with something at the beginning of the year, right? With suspensions? Yeah, I forget what that was about, though, to be honest. Um, but regardless, like if you want to make the NBA more or the NBA, 
the MLB more marketable, mm-hmm. you got to let stuff like this slide because this is what's going to be on social media. This is what's going to be on sports center. This is what's going to be on programs that people watch. This is what people want to see because you get it in every single other sport. You do. You do. Ah, oh, man. Well, hey, with all that being said here, I know we're going to just real quickly just transition topics to completely other sport, other teams, other all type of stuff. But in other reasons, sports it's news a, it's here. It's a hodgepodge today. Yeah, well, maybe it's just kind of the sports wrap up with um, JC today. And, <laughs> you know, not the Greek. But I guess, I guess the next topic I want to talk about here is the NFL draft. So we now know where Chuba Hubbard went. We know where Tylen Wallace went. We know where... Um, Four other guys were undrafted free agents signed, the Oklahoma State guys. And we know, of course, where Tevin Jenkins and Rodarius Williams went too. The two other guys yep. were drafted besides Chuba and Tylan. So of those of those four guys who were drafted, Rodarius, Tylan, Chuba, and Tevin, which of which of those guys fit wise do you like the best for their team? Um fit wise, I think it's gotta be Tylan. Um now we've we've talked about this at nauseum you and i have not on air um about his his difficulty staying healthy at times but if you are just looking from a fit standpoint now i'm not going to sit here and talk about offensive linemen tevin jenkins could be great and could be a perfect fit um i don't know anything about offensive linemen so i'm gonna go with (laughs) tylen wallace but i just think with what the Ravens are trying to do with just giving them our weapons. I mean, they drafted two wide receivers. Um, they got the kid out of Minnesota. I'm blanking on his name, but he's a Bateman. Is that his name? Right. Yeah Rashad, Bateman. yeah. Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman. And he's a big kid. So what, what it looks like is Tylen might be a four, the fourth string receiver, maybe the three. Um, and then Hollywood will probably be the one Bateman too. And then Thailand will be somewhere in the mix there. Um, that's what I have to assume. And that's what I'm going to assume. That's why they picked him. Um, but just based off I, the Ravens like to run the ball, which is completely fine. I think, I mean, Thailand thrived in a running offense, um, when Chuba was, was having his year. So I, I mean, he can block. He can, he can run the run pass option. He can do all that. And that's all the stuff you're going to have to do with Lamar. He can run the short routes. He can go get the one-on-one balls that, that he'll probably get thrown sometimes if, if Bateman's not there. Um, <clears throat> but I think having a guy like a Lamar and then having good running backs and having Bateman um, and then especially Hollywood Brown. I mean, as we know, <laughs> unfortunately that dude is very good um i think what he put up like 200 on us that one year if i'm not mistaken yeah unfortunately uh, with the ou guys we've generally have seen the yeah um worst slash toughest part of it to be honest so yeah and oh, well. so i i guess my my point for the ravens is like i hope they don't have those uh tough playoff runs that they've had in the past but Regardless, I, I think that is probably the best fit if you were to look at all of the OSU guys and where they're going. And not to mention, I mean, Thailand is going, Justice Hill is already there, and he's, I, I'm assuming, probably the second string running back this year um, coming in. 
and um, Hollywood Brown's there, obviously, and Mark Andrews is there. So I think it's pretty cool that they have uh, they've got three guys that um, or four guys, sorry, that are from OU or OSU. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. I think that's awesome as well. Um, the other things I'll add here too is is that I, I think Tylen going to, I guess not just a team like the Ravens, but um, what is it, Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh? John Harbaugh, right? Um, John, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the guy who's still in the NFL. That that team is explosive on offense, right? Like we are always talking about, man, the Ravens' identity has really changed. It used to be Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, et cetera. Now it's NFL MVP, Lamar Jackson. Um yep. granted not this past year, but the year before. And really, if they score more on offense against the Bills, then who knows what happens against the Chiefs? And you know what I mean? Like a bunch of who knows, right? Like th- this was one of, if not the best team in the AFC regular season last year, and it had been the year before, I believe. So, in my eyes, this is a, that's a great scenario, and that's the best scenario out of all four guys, just because I don't know Tevin Jenkins that well either. And let's face it, Bears, who knows what the heck is going to go on in that division next year there in Rodgers' situation. <laughs> so it is, right? Like, Justin Fields, you and I both have glowingly talked about him uh, on the last podcast we did, and just, just honestly through conversations over the phone, too that we both like Justin Fields a lot more than Trey Lance. I mean, what, the last podcast I named was Explain Trey Lance to me? And, I, I listen, love Tevin Jenkins, but I'll, but I'll get to it. I don't know a bunch about offensive linemen either, and between Chuba Tylen and I don't know a ton about corners either, but also, oh gosh, we have a house fun here still. Um, also, with uh, Rodarius going where he did, I just... I, I think that Thailand is in a really, really good spot. You know? Yeah, I do. Um I I'm I'm looking up Tevin Jenkins stuff right now and it, it appears they might have him play left tackle, which you and I know is probably not the best place for him because he played right tackle a lot for us. So I, I think if if he plays right tackle, I think he'll be fine. If he plays left tackle, I think he could have a problem because that is always kind of, you know, one of the biggest positions that you can uh, fill with the, if, if Fields is to start. Um, but I did want to talk about Chuba because that situation he's going into, I think, is um, extremely comparable to uh, what Thailand is going into. Yeah, and I'll say on Chuba, listen. They do have their running back of the future and their running back for the next, I think, five plus years, and Christian McCaffrey on that roster. Like, we are fully aware of that. We're not saying that's not it. But Chuba's going to get a chance to be a change of pace back, who's a true speed guy. Um, it's weird kind of trying to compare someone to Christian McCaffrey because Christian McCaffrey is almost a slot receiver slash running back at this point from how many times he yeah. does catch the ball to the backfield or catch the ball, period. But. Shuba getting the chance to play in the NFL behind what is already a good running game and being the guy who comes in to switch it up is going to give him, I think, a lot of advantages. He's not a great pass blocker. He's not a great run blocker, of course, either, but not a great pass blocker. At the same point, we saw how much success um, what Mike Davis had last year whenever Chris McCaffrey went out. So we know the yep. Panthers can run the ball. 
We know that they have yeah, the guys he, he's there. He's on the, the Falcons now too. Oh, by the way. thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And so we know, we know Chuba could go from being a guy who was fourth round to a guy who's incredible. And the last time that you know. Oh, excuse me. Gosh, I've completely blanked on the head coach. Uh, Matt Rule. Um, play, yeah, I've seen Chuba play live in person, at least that I know of, was against Baylor when Chuba ran for over 190 yards. So, yeah. pretty darn good there, too, you know? Yeah, so I, I, I'm confident that he... Um, I'm looking up the current depth charts, and like right now, Chuba is ranked as the fourth running back on the Panthers' depth chart. I have to imagine that that is going to change just because of, you know, health-wise and if he does come in healthy and he, if he's coming in fit because he did miss a lot of games uh, his last year at OSU. So I, I have to imagine that he will probably um, move up a little bit in, in the depth chart stance. So, uh, yeah, I, I, have pretty, I have pretty high hopes for Chuba because I think last year, Two years ago, sorry, two years ago, we would have said that yeah, Chuba is an every down back in the NFL, right? Because he could have he could have left and probably been uh, a first round pick, um, but he didn't. And you know, this year probably wasn't his best year, as we mentioned on our previous OSU podcasts in the fall. Um, it looked like he was playing hurt a lot. But, I mean, regardless, I, I think Chuba's going to do really well playing behind a guy like um, like Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And to Christian McCaffrey's credit as well, too, he's not a speed burner, um, but Chuba is. Yeah, Chuba's a guy yeah. where once he gets out in the flat, he's gone. I mean, he's got that track speed. And uh, like I said in the last podcast we did, too, not to necessarily reiterate myself the whole entire time, but... The two guys who, well, the whole OC roster, but Thailand and Chuba, I believe, would have really upped their um, stats if there was a typical NFL draft combine this year. Of course, it didn't happen due to COVID, but I think that Thailand's vertical slash speed and Chuba's speed for sure would have shown up a little bit better and would have gotten talked about a little more. Does that change their draft position a ton? Probably not, to be honest. It's a combine and the guys had pro days, so... If someone was really that curious about their stats, they still got that information. But regardless, I do think it would have helped out, at least mentally, for myself here, knowing that OSU guys are talking about in the media a little bit more. I mean, Tevin Jenkins yeah. throwing up, you know, 20, 25, 30 reps or whatever it would have been um, at the draft combine versus at his pro day, you know, matters maybe a little bit. That's all I can yeah, say. And, I mean, you're, you're going to take your a, college career over, you know, a pro day. But anyways. And... I will, I will say, I did not know this, but I just wanted to check. Um, not really to get on a full OSU football tangent, but L.D. Brown is actually returning to OSU next year. Um, and he was a guy that you and I looked at each other and were like, uh, gave us very Chris Carson type stuff, right? Who's now starting at running back in the NFL. Yep. Um, he, he keeps getting hurt, and that sucks, but... He's a starting running back in the NFL, and he has been for the last two to three years. So LD Brown is a guy that we also look at and go, okay, you know, he could pro he could sit in that, you know, Chuba part of the draft next year if you're looking at like the fourth, third, fourth round for a running back. 
Um, that dude is really, really good too. I did not know he was coming back, but I felt, um, I'd add that tidbit because I think that makes us a little bit more excited considering we didn't know who was going to be our running back next year. That's, that's so true. I <clears throat> think we thought it was going to be one of those guys who played at the end of the season and got just a ton of carries because we honestly needed them to against uh, Baylor yeah. and TCU. But for all that matter here, um, you know what? I'll tell you a guy who's not been carrying his team at all as of lately, but even right now, and is actually sorely missed in the lineup. That's LeBron James. Um, LeBron James is going to miss the next two games for the Lakers, Thursday and Friday. Has come out publicly and said recently, the play in tournament, stupid, all type of stuff, whatever. But didn't say it when it was first initialized, right? Just says it now when it looks like he might miss at least maybe even more than these just two games, right? They're back-to-back games, once against, but once against, yeah. I mean, Clippers and Cavs, I believe it is. So you would think he would want to come play back against the Cavs, at least to get a tune-up in against a team that's going to have a high lottery draft pick. Um, yep. Maybe not against the Clippers, and I get that. But to, to me, at least, LeBron, listen, he's, he has perfected his narrative crafting. I'm not the first person to break this. You're not the first person to break it, etc. He has a narrative. He sticks with it. He crafts it, and that's what the narrative is. And it's honestly usually a pretty darn good. The bubble's the hardest play tournament we've ever had because of these things, all type of stuff. And then all of a sudden, he wins the NBA championship. Well, hey, I said it was the hardest, and you know what? It was, right? Like You can see that kind of setting up. Um, this, this year, going into at least the All-Star break, LeBron had played an obscene amount of games versus the years previously that he had played. And the minutes, well, too. Uh, this is one of yep. the hardest seasons ever due to all the COVID regulations, doing the flying around, doing not be able to actually like travel and relax. Um, and for the cities, record, we're not disc- we're not discounting that. No, no, I, I I'm I'm not taking away from that whatsoever. I still think that all. him beating the Warriors super team of four headed monster plus whoever you want to throw, you know, plus I guess Iguodala there. That I think coming back from that three one deficit is the hardest championship that LeBron's ever won. But the one in the bubble, I'm not going to disparage. I'm not going to go against whatever. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. At the same point here, it's it's LeBron was dra- like crafting this whole like MVP, MVP, you know, when he's this old, right? And I say this old, like he's definitely an older NBA player. Him, he and Carmelo were in the same draft. Like, yeah, people really aware of that every single time they like hear it. Um, and I always think it's kind of funny to throw out and just say just because Carmelo's like an older NBA dude for sure. And LeBron's not a young NBA dude. No one's getting that. But for all the LeBron's he, going to play a couple LeBron. more seasons, I don't know. A high ankle sprain stuff to come back from, period. And it's definitely hard to come back from it like this. But the point I'm building to is here is that I don't think you can be mad about a playing tournament when it was going to help you out. Previously, if you had been in the top three seed, it was going to help you out a ton. Top, top, honestly, top six seed is going to help you out a ton. But now, when it's possible that you might have to be one of the teams that plays in the playing tournament, now you're like, oh, this sucks. Because and, the NBA, and, the record, and every, everyone voted unanimously for it. It's the last thing I'll say. Mark Cuban's come out and said it sucks, but he, you know what? He used a unanimous vote for yes. And it's a unanimous vote for, yeah, we'll make more money. Like, no one's going to say no to that. I mean, the guys yeah. voting for this are not NBA players. But you had a chance at the time to go, this could be really, really dumb. And instead, it's 
Now, this is really, really dumb because it looks like it's not going to benefit you whatsoever and actually going to possibly, I don't think LeBron doesn't make the playoffs because of the playing tournament. I don't think they miss out on that. But no. it definitely makes them have to like play that much harder here down the stretch in these final 10 games or whatever it is before May 16th, the last day of the regular season, versus not. In, in yeah, versus games Coast that team. he might not be playing. Right? Exactly. Like, exactly. And, and for the record, they wouldn't be in the playing tournament if LeBron didn't get hurt. So, like, I'm not necessarily blaming him for it. Anthony Davis got hurt, too. So it's not, this isn't something that's LeBron's fault. I will never blame injuries on players just because, like, yeah, we can call them injury prone, meaning they are prone to injuries, but not necessarily that, like, I, like Kyrie Irving, for example, or Chris Paul. They can be injury prone, but a lot of the time their team wouldn't be in such a good situation if it weren't for them in the first place. So the same can be said about LeBron and the Lakers. And, you know, the the point you're alluding to is he is already setting up his narrative to if, if a big, if, if they do lose, Um, because he said that he might not ever come back from his sprained ankle. He's 38 years old. So, and a sprained ankle is nothing to be, you know, not something to be taken lightly. We've all sprained our ankles probably more than once. And a lot of the time, the next one is worse than the previous one. So, and I'm, I guarantee LeBron has probably sprained his ankle more than once, considering that he plays basketball for a living. So, I guess the part that we don't like is that we've seen him do this before where he kind of just crafts this narrative of like, I have my excuse set in place. And I wouldn't be saying this if he hadn't done it before. Right. I think that's fair to say. Extremely, extremely fair. Um, Well, the other things too, is that the, like I said, the NBA season is winding down and it looks like right now we're going to definitely have a series of play in teams. Um, Yep. Yeah, they're not going to cancel the playing tournament at least this at this point, but the playing <laughs> teams are going to be a varied amount of guys that you probably wouldn't want to, you know, no team would want to face. Yep. Do the Wizards have a shot? You're the Wizards fan of that I know, the only one. But was as a Wizards fan, Wizards, Westbrook, <clears throat> and Beal, do they have a shot at making actual playoffs here, being that eighth seed? Do you think? Uh, unfortunately, yeah, I think they do. Um, considering that two of the teams ahead of them, I don't think they're better than Boston, but two of the teams ahead of them are Indiana and Charlotte. Um, which uh, how, I don't know, but (laughs) what's going on right now with Indiana is, uh, pretty bad. Um, they're talking about like already firing their coach and you know, all that stuff. So it's, And I mean, this is their schedule down the stretch at Milwaukee, at Toronto, at Indiana, at Atlanta, twice, Um, Cleveland at home, Charlotte at home. Um, They could very easily go how many games? What is that left? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They could very easily go six and one in those games. And being the Bucks, the only loss. They could very easily <laughs> beat Toronto, Indiana, sweep Atlanta, Cleveland, and Charlotte. And I don't, based off how they're playing right now, 
I mean, it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility that they actually do just make the playoffs outright considering what their schedule is down the stretch. And I know Atlanta's in the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. But I I mean, they've had injuries all year, so I don't necessarily know what they're doing. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think the wizards probably will make it unfortunately, because I think there's a lot of good guys <laughs> in the top of this draft that I would like to have. Um, assuming the wizards wouldn't screw it up. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think they'll at least make the play in tournament, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think at this point they'll make the play in tournament. Um, I think the Bulls are probably kicking themselves for doing the trade whenever they did, just because Vucevic is probably available this offseason, too. Mm-hmm. And said you go get him when you did, kind of me. And your guys aren't going to, and they're not going to make the play in tournament. Sucks. Like, I don't think I was going to really disagree with me on that one. So. Regardless of put it all together, you know, um, I, I I like the Wizards' chances for sure. I think they'll make the play-in tournament for sure. Do I think they'll make the playoffs, though? Like, be one of the seven or eight seeds? I don't know. Again, the, really the only way they could is they could be the eighth seed. Is if you're, you can't be the tenth seed and then elevate yourself to the seventh after the play-in tournament. That's not how that works, which is what I learned about the other day, too, which is kind of funny. But yeah, I don't know. What about you? Do you think there's any chance they make that eighth seed? I I think they could. I mean, it's Charlotte right now, and I think they're better than Charlotte, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I think they are. So, if you just want to look at it on paper, I think they're better than Charlotte. I think Charlotte has a lot of good players, but I think on paper you would go Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, okay. Which is what we would have been saying all year, seemingly. Um, but it's just, it doesn't, I, I guess I'm confused how the Wizards started out as poorly as they did. And I know the reason. Russell Westbrook was hurt. He's taken um, a little bit of the season to get going. And by a little bit, I'm. I don't really mean a little bit. It took him a while to get going. Granted, he was hurt, and that's okay. Like, again, I'm not going to fault him for it. He's an aging point guard, and he has never changed his style up, so respect to him. Um, Scott Brooks is an awful coach. I don't need to tell you that. Um, But he's not a very good coach, and I think they would be better if they did have a different coach. And I think they would be better if Russell Westbrook you know, was able to come into this season fully healthy because he wasn't able to because he was hurt last year. So I guess it's frustrating because it with Russell Westbrook on the team and with Bradley Beal on the team, you're essentially back at square one with a healthy John Wall and a healthy Bradley Beal. Now, I think Russell Westbrook is better than John Wall um, and that hurts me to say, but he is. And I know you're definitely not going to disagree with me on that one. Not so, at all. Um, but he is. He, he's better than John Wall. Because if you want to look at it, is Russell Westbrook going to the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Is John Wall? I don't know. I don't think so. But Russell Westbrook for sure is. So if you just want to gauge it that way, then be my guest. But regardless, 
the wizards are essentially launching themselves back into that purgatory spot of like, you're going to be at the edge of the lottery and just going to keep drafting wing guys that we don't know if they're really that good at anything. And Denny getting hurt sucked and Thomas Bryant getting hurt sucked because I think um, they were both pretty solid. Rui's had a pretty solid year. And I mean, <clears throat> we talked about this at the beginning of the year. If you look at the Wizards roster on paper, you're like, how the hell? Outside of Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, how the hell are these guys even good? Yeah. And that's I think that's the real question here. How the hell are these guys even halfway decent from the rest of that roster? Because Rui Hachimura is not a household name. No, no, neither is uh, Denny Avija. And honestly... Missing Thomas Bryant is is actually a factor for this team, which just goes to show you how bad this team is, to be honest. Right? Like, like <laughs> yeah. when I'm throwing out, like, hey, Thomas <clears throat> Bryant actually missing him is a real big issue. That shows you that this, you know, the rest of the team isn't that good. But get benefit from playing in the East. Yep. You know, um, against not the greatest teams. I think that the Wizards have a are, are a better as a team than LaMelo Ball and the Hornets, although I think the Hornets just, I think they could still make it unless LaMelo's got to sit out again or something weird or whatever. I think the Hornets are going to be there. Yep. Um, actually don't hate and the Hornets at all. I, I've often, often, you and I have often talked about this as well. Are the Wizards just comfortable sitting in purgatory? Because realistically, what is their plan after Bradley Beal's contract is up? It's probably then like, to tank, honestly. I hope at least it, it is. It has to be. Like, they've got... I thought they should have sold last summer, you know? And we talked about the Russell Westbrook trade um, at nauseum because the trade for John Wall and Russell Westbrook was almost too perfect. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like it was almost like that was the only trade that the could only... happen once Westbrook was like a right. It's the, the only one. It's the only one that is legitimately the only possible trade. Um, but it's like I thought they should have sold Beal last season. I still think they should sell Beal because I like you'd rather just see Russell Westbrook playing with a bunch of bad players and bad players relative. Mm-hmm. Than, than seeing him and Beal just try and like conquer every team that they play. Because at that point, like, what are you playing for? Like, because if they end up in the nine spot, they'll again end up with like the 11th pick. And, and it's like, that's not really how you get better in the NBA. If you can't attract superstars, that's not how you get better in the NBA. Yeah. Simple as that, to be honest. I watching this all everything, you know, kind of go down the way it has as a Thunder fan. Man, it sucks to be honest. Just because I really want us to get Cade, and it seems like there's no way at all that the Thunder get Cade right now. Um, just yeah. just from speaking, as far as like like the list of stuff, right? So yeah, it's the 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 worst three teams in the NBA are in order. Rockets, Pistons, and uh, Timberwolves. Yep. Number four is the Thunder. 
And honestly, if Minnesota wins another game here, which they have a couple winnable games, to be honest, Tyrese Albert's sitting out, they play the Kings. Thunder also play the Kings. Um, but they have a chance where we could really be seeing the uh, the NBA actually just completely go in the tank as far as Houston's concerned. Because um, Houston's, uh, they've lost only two in a row. Not more. Thunder lost four in a row. Uh, Cleveland really trying to make a name for themselves, though, and they've lost seven in a row. Um, yeah. So let, let me ask you this. Yeah. Outside of Oklahoma City, because you and I have already come to a, an agreement that that is the team of those bottom probably six that we would like to see Cade go to. Mm-hmm. Outside of Oklahoma City, who is the team in that bottom half? You know, the non-playoff that has a potential chance at getting that top pick. Where would you want to see Cade go? I mean, so we're between really Oklahoma City, Minnesota, Houston, Detroit, Cleveland, Orlando. Man, it kind of pains me to say this, but I... Man, I I really honestly don't know. I... I guess either Detroit or Orlando. I'm about to toss up. It's for, really only for me, city. It, for me, it has to be Orlando. And, and I think it's because they also like, have the Bulls pick. Just because that's if they if they were able to keep the Bulls picks, they're able to draft Cade and another top fourteen guy. Then all yep. of a sudden you're able to come in with a lot of stuff. Cole Anthony looks like he's <clears throat> doing okay. Um I mean, definitely a better draft pick than uh, Obi Toppin, at least. Shout out to the Knicks there for making that mistake. But, I, ah, man, it's tough, to be and, honest, because I don't like Orlando my, whatsoever. I don't like Orlando's roster right now. No, but my, my sole basis on this is I like Orlando's uniforms <laughs> more than I like Houston's, Minnesota's, Detroit's, or Cleveland's. Detroit's, Detroit's got some uh, interesting stuff in the works from what I've heard of, but Houston's uniforms, that baby blue uniforms, I know they don't make you look good. I know they make James Harden look like he's 40 pounds overweight when he's maybe only 10 or 20, but yeah. those powder blue unis are always nice. I've always been a big fan of the powder blues. And the Orlando black ones, if they came out with a cave like retro jersey. Oh, yeah. Then, then you can sign me up. I'll actually have a reason to wear it. Um, and Timberwolves don't have the worst retro unis. It'd be the Cavs. I think the the last place I'd want to see Kate go is Cleveland. Of the of the yeah. teams we're naming, um, it's probably Cleveland. Then honestly, Houston, and then Minnesota, and then Detroit, and then Orlando. Yeah, I I do not. I I agree with you to be. To be honest, but I do not want to see him in Minnesota. No, I mean that place just seems like such a dumpster fire. Well, well, so so there's there's one other thing. A Rod's the new owner. Do you give any hope at all, or or I shouldn't say any hope because there's always some hope. Do you give the benefit of the doubt that new ownership for the Timberwolves could help them turn things around? Or do you think it's no. just one of those places? Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially, well, if it weren't a rod, then yeah, probably. Um, but but who knows? Maybe he just might pay off the NBA to get the first pick. 
it would be the third time he's cheated ever. Back to back years getting the first overall, especially when last year you got Anthony Edwards. And this year you could get Cade. And Anthony Edwards looks like a fine NBA player. I'm not gonna categorize him as a superstar just yet. But man, Minnesota, I I don't get it. I don't want to go to Cleveland whatsoever because Cleveland has, I don't think, anything that will help him out within his first contract. And they can trade for guys, but they're not a destination. Neither is Minnesota. Detroit has Sadiq, Sadiq Trey, I'll say it. Um, But Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, a couple other younger guys that have actually really hit but are not going to need. But they weren't a previous year's number, like, top five pick, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, like Cleveland here... um, Gosh, who was their pick last year? They had number six, right? And by last year, I mean like November. Um, yeah. Maybe it was uh, November, October. I think it's November. But I don't even know who they got. I don't know who honest. they got. I know he's a defensive guy. That's fine. Minnesota, I don't want to see him go to, though, because they have Anthony Edwards. And I think the only way that Minnesota's tenure with Anthony Edwards is good is, is if Anthony Edwards is almost a point guard um, with Carl Anthony Towns. Whatever I don't I know we but they we, also we know have Cade can fit. yeah which I is, think Cade can fit anywhere right be, that's but, that's just how he plays but but they're gonna need him as a wing kind of dude he's he's not yeah. that he's a ball in his hands type of dude you know yeah um to make stuff happen and to give him the benefit of the doubt of making the passes and all type of stuff too. That's why I think going to Oklahoma City, not only am I a huge homer in saying this, but um, at the same point, I I think Cade would be really good at Oklahoma City because they have such a blank slate going forward. They could craft a true team around him, and the guys yeah. they do have on the roster, Pogoshevsky, uh, Moses Brown, Shea, uh, Dort. Dort, a couple others, are all also fit into that, like, <laughs> they're not going to be. They're not like perennial all stars, in my opinion. They, those these guys might make an all star game or two, um, yeah. at some point in their career, but they're not going to make. They're not going to be more, more than like a couple times all stars. I mean, like Mike Conley, I think is the best version of Shea possible, and Mike Conley has to make an all star game. You know, and that's because the honestly, well, Mike Conley should should have made an all star game here. That you know, here there whatever, but yeah. the West is just stacked, and so that's kind of the part of it, right? Like, and I. I've heard people say that they think Cade and Shea wouldn't work. And I like vehemently disagree with that just because how they play. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think they both play passive when they need to, but they know when to not play passive. And I think they are rather similar players um, if you look at the height, you know, the shooting, the passing, um, being able to run the pick and roll, all that kind of stuff. Granted, we haven't seen Kane in the NBA, but there are some statistics out there that if, if you really want to pick them out, that Shea is a very, very good point guard. Oh, yeah. And, and, I, well, and I think Shea can also play on the wing, and so can Cade. But I, I think they would know how to manage that. And also, they have so many picks, it's not even funny. So, like you said, they would be able, if they have Shea and Cade, in, in, if Presti keeps his little 
draft regiment going, I mean, that team could end up being very, very good. Yes, and the other thing I'll add here too is is that Cade Cade can shoot the ball lights out. Like, I don't think enough has been said about how good. I mean, I know it's been said by you and I, but I don't think it's been said enough about how good Cade will be as a projected three point shooter. But how good of a free throw shooter he is right now? He's eighty four point six percent free throw percentage in college, and three point percentage wise, forty percent from three. And we know we were watching this Oklahoma State games. He's throwing him up. You know what I mean? Like, like it's not like he took six. Yeah. You know, in his, in, his, um, in college. I'm not taking more than six a game. Uh, I'll have to look up and the And he was shooting 40%. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. He did average almost three. He did almost average 6.6 uh, six three-pointers attempted a game. He averaged 5.7 three-pointers attempted per game and made 2.3, I guess. I could see that 40%. But, like, Cade's insanely good. You know, we know this, but mm-hmm. we, you and I both just want to look out for him and see that Oklahoma State guy. I, I really do believe with you the jersey deal. I want to buy a badass Cade Cunningham jersey. You know, yeah, just like, just like, hey, Talon Wallace, Chuba Hubbard. I'm not a fan of the Ravens. I'm not a fan of the Panthers. I've never really ever been a fan of either team. I've enjoyed watching them. Both those teams play football before. But I'll tell you what. Chuba gets a you know a couple good games in him. Tom gets a couple good games in him. Whatever, where I feel like yeah they're gonna need a second contract, or even like they honestly just have like a promising, a promising rookie year. Yeah, yeah. I like maybe it's time to actually get a jersey of the Oklahoma State guys um, that are in the pros. And I and, like the I like the Panthers jerseys. Yeah, so. Panthers jerseys are pretty darn cool. That again, powder blues. Um, but. If K goes to the Rockets, it's gonna be hard for me to buy a Rockets jersey because I'm a Thunder fan. Also hard to buy a Timberwolves jersey. Uh, also hard to yeah. buy a Cleveland jersey just because I don't know what Cleveland. Cleveland has some orange type of jerseys. I don't know. Um, but you know what I mean. Like, like I want to like rep Oklahoma State guys in the NBA and in the NFL and honestly the MLB too. But be really, really hard to do if Kate's a Houston Rocket or a Timberwolf or. I don't see anything besides like a magic or a thunder and maybe a little piston just because people probably know at this point I got that connection. But if you don't know, I do have a connection with the pistons too. So, yeah. um, and I, I honestly like the pistons jerseys are not anything to talk about. I think they're plain. I think they're normal. I don't think they're horrible, but the pistons and the thunder could both use it completely like do over on the rebadging and all type of stuff. The pistons, I would love to see them do one of those teal retros. Um, you know, or even red retros or whatever, and I think they will at some point. Uh, Thunder can't really retro anything, of course, they're too new, but <laughs> the sunset jerseys are pretty sick, so they're orange. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We want to see Kade do good, we want to see Kade do good, we want to see him go to a good team with a good situation, be able to rep Kade Cunningham going forward, right? All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and say that ends out to the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening to the latest episode of the CGA Tour. And if you haven't already, please go give us a review and rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. iTunes preferably, though, because it matters just a little bit more. But with all that being said, thanks so much for everyone joining. Jake, any final thoughts? Uh... 
No. <laughs> We're good. All right. Well, podcasts are up on YouTube now as well, too. So throw that little tidbit in there. Uh, I think my laptop really decided it didn't love the video aspect of it this time. So feel free to watch it on YouTube for like the first 30 minutes before it cuts out. But anyways, uh, I'll leave the audio rest in there, of course. And thank you for listening. We'll catch you guys again soon. Follow at the CJ Tour on Twitter and Instagram for more. Peace. See ya.